Chapter 66 of the Story of the Thirteen Colonies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Hugh Gillis. The Story of the Thirteen Colonies by H. A. Gruber. Declaration of Independence. In June 1776, Richard Henry Lee brought into Congress a resolution that these united colonies are, and of right, ought to be free and independent states. This was now the opinion of the principal men in our country, and Washington wrote, When I took command of the army, I abhorred the idea of independence. Now I am convinced nothing else will save us. The minds of the people have been prepared for the change by a little pamphlet called common sense. Congress appointed five men to draw up a Declaration of Independence. These five men were Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, Roger Sherman, and Robert Livingston. But as the paper, with the exception of a few words, is the work of Jefferson, he is generally called the Father of the Declaration of Independence. On July 4, 1776, this paper was adopted by Congress after hours of discussion. In the meantime, crowds of people were anxiously waiting in the street in front of the old State House in Philadelphia to hear the decision of the Congress. A story says that the old bell ringer was at his post, ready to proclaim the glad news as soon as he received the signal from a grandson stationed below. But time seemed so long to the old man that he muttered again and again, they'll never do it. All at once, however, a little lad darted out of the statehouse, clapping his hands and shouting, Ring, Grandpa, ring! Then the independence bell, which, strange to relate, bore the inscription, Proclaim liberty throughout all the land, unto all the inhabitants thereof, pealed out loud and clear, announcing the birth of the United States of America. All the other bells took up the joyful strain, and the news, flying from place to place, was welcomed everywhere. John Hancock, President of Congress, was the first to sign the Declaration of Independence, writing his name in large, plain letters, and saying, There, John Bull can read my name without spectacles. Now let him double the price on my head, for this is my defiance. Then he turned to the other members and solemnly added, We must be unanimous, of one mind. There must be no pulling different ways. We must all hang together. Yes, said Franklin quaintly. We must all hang together, or most assuredly, we shall all hang separately. We are told that Charles Carroll, thinking his writing looked shaky, added the words of Carrollton, so that the king should not be able to make any mistakes as to whose name stood there. Copies of the Declaration of Independence were promptly sent to every colony, where it was solemnly read. In Pennsylvania, this reading took place in the yard in front of the State House, which has ever since then been known as Independence Hall. It was there that the Liberty Bell hung and pealed out the happy news. When the tidings reached New York, they were joyfully received by the army, and the Sons of Liberty pulled down King George's leaden statue. They later sent it to Connecticut, where Patriot women broke it up and melted it to make bullets for the army. 
At the same time, fault began to be found with the name of King's College, which had been established in New York over 20 years. But nothing was done till after the war, when the name was changed to Columbia College. In the summer of 1776, Howe came into New York Bay with 25,000 men and soon after landed on Staten Island. In coming to New York, Howe was carrying out part of a great plan which had been made to separate the Southern from the New England colonies. To do this, he was to march up the Hudson while Carleton came south from Canada by way of Lake Champlain. This plan was, as you see, very cleverly laid, but it was not so easy to carry out as the British expected. Although Carleton marched south and won victory over Arnold at Valcour Island in Lake Champlain, it was at such a cost that he soon retreated in haste instead of pressing on. Soon after General Howe reached New York Bay, his brother, Lord Howe, made a proclamation offering pardon to all who would lay down their arms and promise to obey the king. Next, he sent an officer to the American camp with this proclamation in a letter addressed to George Washington, Esquire. Washington, knowing that he must uphold the dignity of his country, rightly refused to receive any letter addressed to him as a private citizen. He said that George Washington, the Virginia planter, would not be at home to receive letters until the war was over and that the general-in-chief of the American army could not receive any letters unless they bore the proper address. Lord Howe now sent a second missive addressed to George Washington, Esquire, etc., etc., but Washington also refused that. Seeing that the American general would not yield, Lord Howe ever after sent his letters properly directed although he hated to do so because it seemed to acknowledge the new government. We are told that it was sometime during Washington's sojourn in New York that the British bribed a man to throw poison into the general's dish of peas. But, thanks to the warning of a faithful servant, Washington, although very fond of them, did not eat any and thus escaped death. End of chapter 66